Thank you for listening to this new episode of the podcast, By the Still Water. It is hoped that these episodes will be an encouragement in your search for the God of heaven. As we celebrate more than 6,000 downloaded episodes in more than 30 countries, we can say with even more enthusiasm, thank you for listening. The world was changed by a carpenter, but not the one you might be thinking of. The carpenter's name was Jim Marshall. He was working to build a sawmill in a remote territory for a man named John Sutter. In January of 1848, Sutter wanted to build a harbor near his settlement and needed lumber to do so. He hired Jim Marshall to build it about 30 miles away on the south fork of the American River in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. While working on the water-powered sawmill, Jim saw a couple of shiny rocks in the water. He picked them up to get a better look at them. He was not sure what they were, but he knew of a test he could do right there. You see, there are a couple of minerals that look similar. One of those minerals is called iron pyrite, a very common crystalline form of iron. To test for pyrite, you can smash the sample between two other rocks. If it shatters into small pieces, it's iron pyrite. So that is what Jim Marshall did, right there on the side of the river. He put the shiny rock on top of a boulder, then hit it really hard with another river rock. To his surprise, the shiny rock did not shatter. It stayed together and flattened out into a different shape. What he had found was not iron pyrite. What he had found was gold. The news of the discovery of gold in the area spread rapidly. The sawmill was never finished because all of the workmen hired to build it were out trying to find more gold. As word spread, Sutter's small farm community became the city of Sacramento, and the small harbor community near the coast, called San Francisco, became the gateway for thousands of prospectors trying to strike it rich. The California gold rush was on. It was the testing of that first nugget that gave Jim Marshall the confidence to show his find to others. When the topic of God and the Bible is discussed, one of the most common ideas that goes along with that is the idea of faith or belief. But what is faith and why is it important? Well, one idea is that we can hit it with a rock, not literally, of course, but we can test it to see if it is genuine. From 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, although it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Many have wondered what it would be like to find a gold nugget in the cold waters of a mountain stream, how exciting and life-changing that would be. But what Peter is saying here in this passage is that anyone can discover something much more valuable than gold. 
they can have true, genuine faith in Jesus. But this passage only makes sense if there is a false faith or an imitation faith that is, like iron pyrite, worthless. That was what Jim Marshall did. He knew that gold was a soft metal and bent very easily. Iron pyrite, also called fool's gold, is not soft and it will not bend. It shatters. The basic nature of each material can be tested to identify it. So we can answer the question about genuine faith by understanding the qualities and characteristics of genuine faith. But what are the qualities of the genuine faith that can save our souls? First, to clarify, the terms faith and belief, or believe, are used interchangeably. Look at verse 8. You believe in him and rejoice. Then verse 9. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. In fact, they are different forms of the same Greek word. Almost like we would use the words geese and goose. So we will use them interchangeably for our discussion. So how do we identify the faith or belief that is genuine? First, we need to accept the concept that the quality and nature of our faith is something to consider. If that were not true, Peter's statement would not make any sense at all. We do this all the time with other things. We look at fruit to see if it is ripe or if it is rotten. We look at water to make sure it is pure. If heaven and eternity is on the line and the critical connection is faith, we should be willing to ask the question, is our faith genuine? A statement made by the writer James in his letter really brings this home. His warning in James chapter 2, verse 19 is, You believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. I don't know much about demons, and speculation really is not very useful. But I'm pretty sure that demons are not considered by Jesus to be a part of his people. But they do believe in the sense that they are sure that God is real. But that is not a saving faith. So what qualities could we use to identify a soul-saving faith? First, faith is not a feeling. This concept is important for a number of reasons. People are often confused when they have been told faith is a feeling, but then never get a warm feeling in their chest. This is consistent with the premise that faith can be examined for quality. Feelings cannot be measured. Instead, the measure of faith can be taken by how it impacts a person's actions and attitudes. But before we go there, let's look at how someone acquires faith. That will tell us a lot about how to take its measure. In 1986, more than 3 million people across 21 countries in Africa and Asia suffered from a very painful parasite called the guinea worm. It causes incredible pain as the worm literally breaks through the skin of the host. The burning sensation often causes people to soak their feet or legs in water. Researchers discovered that the people were being infected by the guinea worm when drinking the contaminated water, the same water that others had used to soak their infected feet. 
by educating people in these areas about filtering their water and not soaking their infected feet and legs in the streams and rivers, the number of cases have dropped by more than 99%. In the first quarter of 2022, only two cases of guinea worm were known to exist worldwide. In the case of the guinea worm, people who were suffering were told how to prevent the painful infection in themselves and in others. The start of the solution came in the form of information being shared. Paul talks about faith in the same way. He wrote, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith is the product of information. It would be impossible to have faith in Jesus if you had never heard of him or what he had said or what he had done. But faith is more than knowledge about Jesus. The knowledge must change a person's actions. Here's where the guinea worm story really applies. The people in these countries were told about the life cycle of the worm, that if they soaked their feet in the water, others would become sick. Even though the cycle between becoming infected and showing symptoms could be as long as a year, they took that knowledge and put it into practice, and they changed their actions. They believed what the doctors and health workers told them and made a change. That is faith. When people who hear the good words of the gospel and then use that knowledge to change their lives, that is faith. One of those that is held up as an example of a soul-saving faith is Abraham, the progenitor of the nation of Israel. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it reads, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was told to leave his home in what would become modern Iraq based on just the promise of the God of heaven. Note the elements we were discussing before the message of God, and the actions that followed the message. The writer uses the word obey. This is a key test of faith. To obey. This idea is found throughout the Bible story. Jesus spoke of this at the end of the mountain message when he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's break this statement down. Jesus says, there will be those that make a claim of faith, but they will be rejected. Those that are acceptable to Jesus will be those that do the will of the Father who is in heaven. They must be doers. The statement of rejection at the end of this passage is about those who practice lawlessness, the abandonment of responsibility for their actions and are told to leave the presence of the Son of God. They practice the rejection of law.
But this is also not the first time we have seen precious gold linked to the message of God. Do you remember our discussion in Psalm 19? The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. The conclusion of Psalm 19 is that the principles of God are more precious than fine gold and sweeter than a honeycomb. Those elements begin with the law of the Lord and then the commandments of the Lord. The value of the law and the commandments of the Lord are not in the written form, but when they are put into practice in someone's life, then they become valuable and precious and sweet. This is the proof of faith. This is hitting faith with the rock that Peter was discussing. In Peter's letter, he is speaking of the pressure of violence and the persecution of Christians and how it was going to get worse, but that they would meet that struggle by remaining obedient, remaining faithful to the message, the commands, and the hope of the gospel of Jesus. Those that endured through those hard times would know that they had been hit hard, but did not shatter. They did not break. It is ironic that Jim Marshall and his boss, John Sutter, were never to profit from the discovery of gold in the California hills. But we have the opportunity to profit from the precious faith in the Son of God and His plan to save us. But we need to be sure. Is your faith in Jesus strong enough to obey His commands and directions? Does it shatter, or is it the real thing? Go ahead. Take a swing. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true Word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.